You know what's weird is that when this episode comes out, I will have been a missus for an entire week. Yes, you will be married. I will be an old maid. An old maid. Literally before we started recording, I was like, Sabrina, what do I even call you now? Do I call you like Mrs. Zuli? She's like, did you call me Mrs. Deanna Roga before? Like, no, <laughs> it's Sabrina. Still Sabrina. Still Sabrina. Oh my God, so excited. It's crazy. By the next time we record, you will have spent the night in the Stanley Hotel. Oh my God, I cannot wait. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. You have to cron. I mean, okay, it's your wedding weekend, so I'm not going to make you post on Instagram, but take a bunch of pictures so that we can later do stories and and all that. Because I mean, dying to see this. I mean, I'm for sure going to post pictures and stuff on our story (laughs) because. Everyone needs to see it. Everyone needs to be a part of it. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if I catch a ghost on camera? Oh, it would be amazing. Also, if there is a corn maze constructed or a hedge maze, you and Nick need to take, like, these spooky, romantic, kind of (sighs) creepy, sort of, like, is this love or is this danger photo shoot. It's both because love is dangerous. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. It's going to be so much fun. And it's funny because so Nick and I are going to stay – we're staying in the like presidential cottage with my mom and his parents. So there's like three bedrooms in there. And so we each are getting our own room. But everyone's kind of like, you're getting married and you're spending like the next night after your wedding with your parents. And I was like, honestly, staying at the Stanley, I will be so grateful that my mom is in the room next door because if I do experience anything paranormal, I am running straight into oh, that bed. Yeah. No one is getting any sleep and not for the reason that you think post-wedding. <laughs> it is going to be scary (laughs) uh it's gonna be great it's gonna be so awesome i can't believe nick agreed to this he loves the stanley he's been before loves the spook he loves the spook wow what a life oh my gosh if we experience something maybe i'll let him on the podcast he's been on before what if that's my wedding gift i know but he begs to be back on that's gonna be my wedding gift to him oh that's so sweet isn't that so romantic yes i love it i'm such a good future wife he'll finally get his one true wish which is a consistent, a recurring role on the podcast. <laughs> Not just to be on it, but to have some consistency with his appearances. Yeah, I don't think we're going to go that far. Well, we'll see. We'll see. False promises. And then he'll be elated when we do say, okay, well, maybe this episode you can. Exactly. So great. Oh, this is uh, Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. <laughs> and we are your ghostesses. That's Mrs. Vienne, and I'm Mrs. Soon-to-be Zuli. Corinne and Sabrina. (laughs) Creepy. Oh, my God. Name changes. What? I know. The paperwork is scarier than any ghost story that I've heard. (laughs) God. Oh, my God. But this is an Encounters episode where we're going to read you ghost stories. And um, Corinne, why don't you start us off? Okay, well, I'm really mad at myself because even though I've been thinking about your wedding nonstop for a week, I don't know why I didn't pick out stories wedding related. So I did. Oh, thank goodness. I'm like, (laughs) as we're talking about it, I'm like, I ruined this episode. This was my opportunity and I didn't take it. Oh my gosh. 
Any ghost story is is appropriate as a pre-wedding episode. Okay. Well, it's just a modge podge of I have no theme, no rhyme or reason. It's just just picked some out. That like seems really on par with us as in general it's as podcasters. All over the place. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh man, I'm mad at myself. I wish we could pause for like an hour for me to go <laughs> find new ones. No, but I love these ones. I just wanted to theme it wedding or like Stanley Hotel. Anyway. We are getting the next best thing, and we are going to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You love Canada. That's been your theme lately. This has been my theme. Okay, well, this one was left over because I, I saw it, and I already had I already had my queue filled from last time. So I was like, all right, well, I'll add uh, this to the next yes, one. Yes, yes, All right, so this right. is from our listener, Amelia. Hello, wonderfuls. I live in Vancouver, Canada, and I just listened to episode 135. Happy birthday and happy anniversary. Aww. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. How fitting. I found a way to insert myself into (laughs) an episode about you and Nick. (laughs) Classic. Okay. It's not about us. It is about you and I always. Nick is the third wheel. Well, I'll remind Nick of that. (laughs) I will uh, timestamp this and text him whenever. Oh my gosh. So funny. Probably twice a day. Okay. As soon as you mentioned Banff, I immediately named all three of the ghosts you spoke of. Canada is a marvelously spectacular place. I suggest you two marvelous humans look into the history of Victoria, British Columbia, our capital. If you call the individuals who run the Victoria Ghost Tours, I'm sure they would happily give you the 411. Ooh. Victoria is shockingly haunted for how small it is. There's even a rumor that Jack the Ripper ventured to Victoria at one point. Victoria is in fact where my encounter occurred. I've had more than one, but one will do for today. So my ex and I were finishing up a month-long road trip around British Columbia. We decided to end our trip with four days in a hotel to reward us for all of the camping and car sleeping. I purposely picked the Gatsby Mansion that also goes by the Pendray Inn, as I knew it had a family haunting inside. When we showed up, my ex was disappointed that we were staying in a heritage building, and when I said that it was for the ghosts, he rolled his eyes as a non-believer. The whole way up the stairs to our room, no elevator because it's so old, he was complaining and speaking ill of the ghosts. I remarked, do not speak ill of the dead. It will not work out well for you. He scoffed and he continued up the stairwell. Suddenly, as he reaches the top step, his suitcase comes bouncing down the stairs and almost takes me out. Oh my gosh. Then he starts flailing, stumbles down a step or two and manages to catch himself. As he goes, I hear a giant Bang! As his suitcase meets the final destination at the end of the winding stairs. What the hell? I exclaimed. He turned to face me, and I will never forget all of the blood that had left his face. His skin had almost gone translucent, like a ghost, with (laughs) fear. Something pushed me. He whimpered. I rolled my eyes, then he pulled down the neck of his t-shirt, and there was, as clear as day, a red imprint of a hand on his chest. Oh my god! I gasped. And I smiled. (laughs) I sat him down. I put our stuff away and spoke out loud to the ghost the entire time saying, I appreciated them. I respected them and how I apologize for my boyfriend's behavior. Finally, after some tea and some time, my boyfriend resumed his color. But needless to say, he slept in the car for the next four nights. (laughs) We don't talk anymore, but I can say with confidence that he will not be insulting the spirit realm again. I stayed in the same inn one year later with my mother. She believes in ghosts like me, and we had one experience together, and she had one on her own. Consistently through the night, the lights would turn on and off. Then my mom woke up to heads floating around the roof. 
What? We were in the main bedroom. The next day, we took a ghost tour and we found out that this is actually a normal occurrence there. Perhaps the ghosts are always this active, or perhaps it's because the owners who haunt the place had a daughter with my name. I don't know. But either way, Victoria is always great for a haunt. Happy hauntings, ladies. And also, Canada would love to have you. Head on up, Amelia. Whoa, this hotel sounds so cool. It sounds like consistent haunting. So if anyone out there is looking to stay somewhere, I'd say this is a pretty solid choice. Uh... I'd be down to go. I mean, it sounds like, I don't know, the way that the ghost kind of, I mean, it, granted, it's scary. The way that they pushed her, I believe, ex-boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. Her ex-boyfriend, like, that's scary, but it is also kind of funny because he didn't get hurt in the way that he was, like, kind of waving off the existence of ghosts. And they were like, well, we'll show you. We're real. I am. I admire those ghosts. I admire them. You know what? They have respect for themselves, and they're standing up for themselves. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it sounds like otherwise they're not very harmful. So just be kind. Mind (laughs) your own business. And don't scream when you wake up to decapitated heads floating above you. Yeah, that that's the part that I'm like, hmm. (laughs) What is that? I don't know, but if it's a regular occurrence there, it seems like I don't know, like a little party trick for the ghosts, maybe. It's like like, those constellation lights that like you could put on your floor and it rotates around your ceiling. I imagine that just with heads. Like every second Tuesday they congregate and they just don't even realize (laughs) that they're that they're appearing. They're just like doing a little ring dance. It's so strange. Very, but very fascinating. Very cool. Super cool. I want to read more about this place. I know. We, we got to go to Canada. Yeah. I've never been to Victoria, but I've been to Vancouver, and it was beautiful. I've never been. I'm down to go. Oh, Canada. All right. What do you have? I will start with a haunted wedding story. This is from Kirsten. It's called A Haunting on My Wedding Day. Hey, ladies. I'm such a huge fan of the podcast. I've been listening since episode one. What? Whoa, what's up? Hey. Uh, You guys make the annoying drive to and from work bearable. I used to listen while I was doing things around the house at night, but ever since my husband and I moved into an old farmhouse, I've had to stop that. I'm now convinced every noise is the ghost of the former owner, LOL. So (laughs) no more ghost stories after dark, you know? Yeah. My story isn't as lengthy as some, but I assure you, it's still terrifying. Or awesome, all depending on how you look at the paranormal. In fact, I have to tell this tale secondhand as I'm not the one who actually had the run-in with the spirit. So here it is. It was my wedding day. You heard me correctly, the day of my wedding. I've loved ghost stories for as long as I can remember, but I've never actually experienced anything firsthand. My wedding was held in a beautiful rustic barn in upstate New York, Rochester to be specific, which is the home to the iconic lady in white who you've mentioned on the podcast before. I was literally just about to remind you of that. Mm Mm-hmm. That morning, my bridesmaids and a few family members were preparing for the wedding at the historic Allegiance Inn. Built in the early 1800s, this place is a vintage dream. Located in Mount Morris, New York, this mansion has quite a story of its own, one that I was very unaware of before this day, but I'll get to that in a little bit. Everything was going perfectly. I was calm as a cucumber. My bridesmaids were having their hair done as I was having breakfast and trying to soak in the last few moments before we headed to the venue. And I was the last to have my hair done. And as I was sitting in the chair, getting it done, another one of the hairdressers and my cousin, Nicole, come down the stairs asking if the room we reserved for my wedding night had been rented out for the day by someone else. Confused, I said, no, why? 
and they explained that they had just been upstairs to use the bathroom and the extra-large mirror when they were surprised to find a woman standing in the bathroom, staring at herself in the mirror. Mm. From what I understand, she was dressed in a long white dress, and she never spoke a word. The girls quickly apologized and assumed that they had entered the wrong room. But when they came down to confirm what room I was staying in, I assured them that it was most definitely our room and that my mother-in-law had rented it for the entire day. So there definitely should not have been anyone else in the room. Oh my gosh. Thankfully, the owners of the bed and breakfast live on the property, so I quickly called them over to go through the confusion. After listening to what just happened, the owner calmly replied with, Oh, don't worry. That's probably just Karen. She's one of the many ghosts that wander the property, and she loves that room. My first thought was, uh, isn't this something you should share with your guests before booking? (laughs) Remember, this is the exact room my husband and I were to be staying in later that night. Within minutes, the rest of the bridesmaids and family had been informed of the sighting. Reasonably freaked out, I probed a little bit more, and turns out the house itself was built in the early 1800s and was even once a stop on the Underground Railroad. The owner assured me that the ghosts were very friendly. They varied in age. There was an older man named Ray, a few children, and Karen, the young woman who was seen in our room, and even a ghost cat named Sammy. He spoke of them as if they were family, so I felt pretty at ease after that. The day went on exactly as it should. Our wedding was a dream, something straight out of a fairy tale. But that night, as we returned to the bed and breakfast, I relayed the story to my now husband, and I was slightly uncomfortable sleeping with the lights completely off. So we left the bathroom light on for for her, Karen, just in case. I respectfully told her aloud that it was our wedding night and please not scare us in our sleep. She must have known it was a big night for us, and thankfully she didn't appear. I was also warned that the ghost cat, Sammy, liked to sleep at the guest's feet to keep warm. But thankfully, we were so tired from dancing that if he was there, we never noticed. LOL. The next morning at breakfast with our families, as we were recounting the events of the day prior, I told the story of the young woman in our bedroom. I believe it was Vicky, my mother-in-law, who told us that the inn was notoriously haunted and had even been featured on USA Today. If you YouTube it, it's a pretty cool video. Not many people can say that they had an uninvited ghost on their wedding day, but it's definitely <laughs> an exciting part of our story, and hopefully this happens for you too, Sabrina. Stay spooky, ladies. You're just the best. See you on the other side, Kirsten. Oh my god, I love this. I mean, I realize, wow, you're staying at a place for your wedding, and nowhere, at least on the website, is there a list of all of the property ghosts. However, if she'd just done a bit more of a Google search, maybe every, here's a good rule. Always type in wherever you're staying and then after type in haunting or haunted just to see what comes up, you know? I don't know. It's hard because if you've already booked it, you might not want to know. True. Unless it's refundable. (laughs) True. Like when I was at the Congress Plaza Hotel in Chicago and I didn't realize (laughs) even though you covered it in an episode and I was like, this place, it feels creepy. (laughs) And sure enough, it was and is one of the most haunted places in Chicago. I love that the ghost, the spirit, Karen, probably, I'm sure at that bed and breakfast, that particular room is often the one given to people who Mm -hmm. are going to be newlyweds, you know, like I feel like there's always one special room that's like the room that is designated to wedding parties or to the bride and groom. Mm -hmm. And so I love the idea that she just like really enjoys that story and really likes being in that room and feels good energy. And she's wearing a white dress and she's just kind of like checking herself out and vibing and is like, 
man, I'm so beautiful too. Like I look like a bride. <laughs> I deserve to be in this room too. Yeah. Karen's a little vain. I love it though. I, I just imagine that that's the best mirror in the entire hotel. And yes. she's just like, I got to check myself out. She's like, "Ugh, I'm glowing today. What if she's like showing up in the newlywed suite to try to like woo the, the future husband? She's like, oh what my about God. me? Karen, I don't trust you anymore. Although, <laughs> it's, I don't know why I use the word although. It has nothing to do with what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> However, I am thinking now that what if people go back to their wedding photos from that, if anyone got married, like right at the end and look in the background, I wonder if she or any other spirits have appeared and you just think Mm. that maybe it's like another guest at the end in the background, but really you've captured a ghost on camera. I want to watch that video about it. It sounds so spooky and so fun. And I love the way the owners just talked so casually about their ghosts. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, that one sounds like, that sounds like Karen. Probably you saw her. Oh, Karen. <laughs> oh, Karen. And there's a ghost cat. So, Sabrina. I think I am going to go check that place out too. I'm adding a lot of bucket list places to I know. my list. I feel like that's just the, that's just our podcast. Every that's Everything so we hear, we're either like, we need to go there or we're like, we absolutely will never go there. There's no that's in between. True. It's on the list or it's on the or we've blacklisted it. Right. The like don't even drive near it. No. No, can't even fathom. Uh this is called The One Night My Ex-Boyfriend's Sister Got Possessed. Love Angles. it. I'm in. So in. I thought I thought so. When I saw possession, I was like, when I hear possession, I think of Sabrina. So. <laughs> Hi, ghouls. First, let me thank you both for an amazing community that you've created. This kick-ass podcast can always brighten my day, and it sure has helped me get through this pandemic. I honestly feel like I'm just hanging out with my friends when I listen to y'all. Aw. My sister and I both love you so much, and I hope you do a show in Austin, Texas one day. Oh, I'd love to. I love Austin, Texas. So great. I've never been. Another place to go to. Another place to go to. Perlas. Perlas. I'm butchering that, but I went there for brunch. Amazing. All right. Disclaimer. Let me swear right now that my story is completely true and it changed me. To be polite, I've changed everyone's names in this story. So, story time. My name is Bailey Ann, but most people call me Bailey. Even though I was born in Canada. Oh, another. This one was unintentional. This one was unintentional. I didn't mean to do Canada. I think this is a sign from the universe, though. You might need to go to Canada. Like, (laughs) what's happening? All right. Even though I was born in Canada, I grew up in a small town in the Bible Belt down in southeast Texas. Let me set the stage. My hometown of 6,000 people had over 75 different churches. So, to say the least, everyone was hella religious. I, on the other hand, was not, nor was my family. I attended church with friends as that was basically required. If I didn't go to church, some of my friends weren't allowed to hang out with me. Oh my gosh. That's just the way things were. One of my friends, Chelsea, her parents ran a Baptist church downtown, so I frequented this church often. The summer after I graduated high school, I was volunteering at that church to help with a fundraiser. And after a full day of preparations, I went with my friends, Dee and Amanda, who were both very religious, to stay the night at Dee's house. I should mention that Dee is my ex-boyfriend's older sister, LOL. But we were all still good friends, even though I broke up with her brother. (laughs) That night, we were at her home alone. Dee and Amanda stayed in Dee's room, and I slept in my ex-boyfriend's room across the hall. That feels awkward, but... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) As I was falling asleep, I heard Amanda telling Dee to stop. Dee was known for being an instigator, so this didn't quite surprise me that she was annoying Amanda. But Amanda kept telling her to stop. 
Then I heard Amanda start praying. Then Dee started laughing, and she was laughing in this deep laugh that wasn't hers. At this point, I was really confused because I didn't understand what was going on across the hall. Amanda kept praying and crying, and then Dee started taunting her in a deep voice that wasn't hers. She was saying things like, God isn't real. God can't hear you. Then Amanda started screaming and crying, all while praying louder and louder. I was losing my shit because at first I thought that maybe they were just trying to mess with me, but that would really be a fucked up joke. I then called my friend Chelsea because she knew all of us and her parents are pastors. I told her that I was scared and I told her what was happening. Chelsea said that both her and her mom were coming right over. She said, stay on the phone until we get there. By this time, I started to cry because I didn't know what was going on. And Chelsea's mom told me to say, the blood of Christ covers me to protect me. I was choking on my tears, trying to say this over and over again out loud as I fell off the bed onto the ground. The entire time I was on the phone, Amanda was crying and praying. Dee just kept laughing. Oh my god! I felt like my friend would never arrive with her mom to save me. And then it got really quiet. Dee then said, where is Bailey? Me. In a deep and scary voice. Oh I gosh. almost had to com- I almost had a complete breakdown at this point. I'm screaming on the phone to my friend, get here now. Where are you guys? And then finally they say, we're pulling up. We're pulling in. Just get out of the house now. I'm terrified because Dee would see me leave the house and I didn't know what to do. I was scared that she would attack me. I'm still not sure how I did it, but I suddenly got the strength and I bolted out of the house. I remember screaming when I ran. I almost fell down the stairs to get to my friend's car, and she held me as I cried into her arms in the back seat. Her mom and mom's friend went inside. I didn't see what happened inside the house because my friend took me to church to sleep that night, and it was around 12 a.m. at this point. But the story still isn't over. Both Dee and Amanda are also taken to the church in a separate car. At this point, I'm struggling to catch my breath because I have no clue what happened. When they walked into the church, I get so scared. Thankfully, both of the pastors and their friends were there with us. All the adults were acting as if there was nothing wrong or out of the ordinary. Their calmness was stressing me out, honestly. To stay with stressed and freaked out was an understatement. I didn't know what to do in the church with all of these people who weren't freaking out. Everyone was so calm. When I got to the church, I texted my mom to pick me up ASAP. I know I couldn't stay around everyone for the church fundraiser the next day. I knew my mom wouldn't get there until the morning, so I tried to find a comfy spot on the floor with the sleeping bag that I was given. Since we were all in the same room, I asked Dee and Amanda how they were, and they responded they were fine. They both then swore that what I had heard was all wrong. They said that I was the one talking in different voices. I didn't know that I could get more scared, but in that moment, I did. Dee and Amanda swear that they both were scared of me. And I couldn't believe it. Dee also said when she saw me run out of the house, she saw a shadow follow me. What the hell? Seriously? Thanks for saying that. How am I supposed to react? For some reason, the pastor then told us a story about how his kids, one of them being my friend, used to see a child's spirit and the child's spirit caught their house on fire. My friend almost died in this fire when she was like six years old. And I'm thinking, seriously, this is the story that you choose to tell? (laughs) Am I in an alternate universe? Why is this happening? Maybe he was just trying to change the subject, but after this, there isn't much conversation. I end up staying up the whole night while everyone manages to fall asleep at the church. The next morning, everyone gets up and makes breakfast like it's a regular morning. When my mom pulls up, I say a brief goodbye to everybody and I run to the car. I couldn't believe what happened. My thoughts were racing. 
Why did my story not match anyone else's? Was there a shadow now attached to me? Was there something much bigger going on? And why did no one want to talk about it? So now I'm 26 years old, living with the love of my life in Austin, Texas with our two dogs. I still haven't decided where my faith stands even after this experience. And as I'm writing this, tears came to my eyes because this is one of the worst experiences of my life. All of those people mentioned in my story are no longer in my life. We just kind of grew apart as we went off to college and we never spoke of this night. I'm not sure if it was because I was so scared of them. Maybe they were scared of me. I hope you all liked the story. See y'all on the other side and stay spooky. Bailey Ann. Oh, okay. I have lots of thoughts. Yes, me too. First, if it was a situation where both sides were hearing the others be creepy, it makes sense because that that sounds very on par with what demons can do. Mm -hmm. They manipulate situations and they try to scare everyone, Right. right? But then my question is, Bailey Ann called her friend Chelsea and spoke to her on the phone about what was happening. And I'm curious what Chelsea remembers and what Chelsea's side of the story is, because it feels like that's someone who can corroborate Bailey Ann's story. Right. And also it was it was Bailey Ann who ran outside to Chelsea and the other two were the ones that were essentially like there was an intervention from the mother and her friend in the house and were later driven to the church. Right. I don't know. It's all so weird, but yeah, it's like totally the manipulation of space. The other thing, this is like a dark thought, but the other thing that I was thinking of is it kind of reminded me almost of the movie, The Village, where it's like everybody's in on this narrative except Mm. for you and you're made to believe one reality that's actually not at all true and you're you're being fucked with it's like what's that jim carrey movie where he's he's thinks he's like got a wife and he has a great job and whatever but he's actually being like filmed the whole time the truman show oh truman show yeah yeah, yeah. the truman show and it just makes me makes me think that like everybody was an actor and everyone was playing a part and bailey and mm-hmm. was the only one not in on it which makes sense why everyone was acting so bizarrely and like so different than what bailey would have expected after that experience while in the church Okay, you saying this now makes me think that the reason that D and who's the other one? D Amanda. And, that D and Amanda changed their story and said that Bailey Ann was the one who was acting possessed is because D was possessed and got to Amanda. So the two of them are both possessed and they are trying to alienate and make Bailey Ann feel alone, which oh is gosh. terrifying. Right. And then the more her guard is down. Because there was that silence. It's lessened. And the more that she <gasps> feels anxious or oppressed or whatever, the more oh my gosh. opportunity the darkness has to enter. So scary. Or was this all a ploy to have the one family in town that wasn't religious become suddenly religious? Lean on religion. I mean, any version of this it's, is... Um, Quite terrifying. And poor Bailey, I am so sorry that you still have no explanation and that no one wanted to talk to you about it. That is, I mean, talk about worst case scenario. You go through something so traumatic and then you have no one to talk about it and no one wants you to talk about it. Like, seriously, you're going to feel alone and isolated. And I'm very sorry. That's, that's awful. Oh my God. I can't believe people are just like, let's do a bake sale the next day. Like just a little fundraiser. (laughs) Like nothing happened. I'm curious about their relationship, like D, Amanda, and Bailey Ann. I'm curious about their friendship afterwards because I know that they drifted apart when they all went to college, but she said like when they went to college. So I'm I'm curious right. to know if they had if they were still as great of friends, 
if they just kind of ignored that, realizing that it almost reminds me too a bit of like when we talk about the Salem witch trials, just this sort of hysteria that went mm. around at the time, whether it was from what they were eating and drinking, whether it was just from from different bacteria or like what have you. It it just it it's like the Slenderman killings. It's like sometimes things just get a hold of you and you lose your sense of control and your sense of reality and what's right and wrong. And perhaps Dee and Amanda got caught up in something and then kind of like removed themselves from it after they realized what they'd done and just never spoke of it again. Or they're just possessed. Or they're freaking possessed. Oh my God. I don't like it. I don't Eh. like it one bit. Okay. All right. Bring us back to the wedding land. I have a story. Yeah. This is another wedding land story, but it's my last wedding land story. So, okay. This is from Ashley. And it's called Ghostly Pets, A Phantom Kid, and a Future Wedding? Question mark, exclamation point. Hi, ladies. My name is Ashley. I've been listening to your podcast for some time now. I picked it up when I was working at a quiet gift shop in my city's tourist center. It was a great way to pass the time when no customers were in. Nothing like keeping yourself awake with some spooky stories. In this email, I have three stories for you. The first story is called Ghostly Pets. About five years ago, I lost my home to a house fire. My family had been out of town visiting my brother during his military graduation, and during that time, an electrical spark from the breaker box shot out and set my house ablaze. Back then, I had two cats, Cricket and Patches, and about ten pet birds, mostly budgies and three cockatiels. I loved them all dearly, and as someone who had a hard time making friends back then, they were often my only company. The smoke from the fire killed all of my pets. My two cats ran into my room to escape the flames, and my birds were already in there. My room was the only room left standing after the fire. It was completely untouched. Later, we found out that was because of the lack of insulation in my walls. But at the time, I had a blessed Mother Mary pendant in my room that I had gotten when I was younger through the mail. I still have it. And though there was a logical explanation for why my room stood unharmed by the fire, I like to think that the pendant also had something to do with it. The day the fire happened, I was sitting in a hotel room getting ready for my brother's graduation day. Then, suddenly, my cat, Cricket, appeared out of nowhere and looked at me before walking towards the bathroom. Still kind of half asleep, I stood up and called after her, following her into the bathroom. But of course, she was nowhere to be seen. Afterwards, I swore I heard my cat Patches meowing. She had a very specific meh sound, and I heard birds that sounded an awful lot like my pet birds. When I found out that they had all passed away, I was devastated. Because we lost our home, the base commander spoke to us about resources for us, and when my mother and I were sitting in his office, I looked over onto his desk to see his name. His name turned out to be the same name as one of my birds, Elvis. I nearly broke down sobbing once more. Many other things happened after the fire, but the most notable was, first, that night, I was up wondering what we were going to do sitting in front of the door of the hotel room. My chair was pressed up against it, and the table was in front of me. I was up late on my computer around about four in the morning, I rubbed my eyes and asked out loud, what are we going to do? It was a little quiet though, because I didn't want to wake my parents. Clear as day from the other side of the door, I heard a very Southern gentleman's voice say, y'all going to be just fine. And to this day, I still have no idea who that man was. The second most notable event was one in which months after the fire, I had a dream. I was suddenly outside of the house we were staying at, but I was also in this large orb of light. In this orb of light were all of my pets. 
every single one of them that had passed in the fire. I feel like I had talked to them for a long time, but I don't remember what about. The part of the conversation I do remember was them saying to me, We miss you, Ashley. We love you. In case you've ever wondered what the voice of an animal sounds like, I can assure you it sounds just like a child. Each of them had their own distinct voices, and I remember them all clearly. In this dream, I was mad at them for hanging around in the living world, which is something that in the waking world, I didn't even realize was a real thing, but sleeping me apparently thought it was. Anyway, I told them that I loved them and missed them, and I also told them that they couldn't keep coming down from heaven like this, and they could wait for me there. They told me that they didn't want to leave me alone, and I told them it was too dangerous for them to keep appearing here, as there would be stronger spirits that could try to hurt them. Just as I said that, outside of this orb of light appeared a shadow. It was trying its best to get inside the orb of light, but couldn't. When my pets saw this, they agreed to go back to heaven, and I told them I loved them once more, and the orb of light with them in it with them in it disappeared, and I woke up. To this day, whenever I'm having a bad day, I still feel like cricket or patches will curl up beside me. My second story is called Future Wedding. This one is shorter than the last. To keep it simple, my family and I have a history of being sensitive to paranormal stuff. Visions, prophetic dreams, the whole nine yards. We have someone in the family that has done at least one thing you'd associate with psychics. My brother has a history of seeing more ghosts than I have, and my mother has had out-of-body experiences. I, on the other hand, get dreams. They're usually of the future and are typically mundane in nature, like having an out-of-context dream of a meal that I'm eating only to have that meal the very next week. But every so often, I get a useful one. Most recently, I've been having dreams of weddings. By recent, I mean in the past five years. I'm currently not or have been in a relationship, and I have little to no desire to seek one out, and I do not have my eyes on anyone currently. But for some reason, I've had these dreams. The first wedding dream was actually of the reception. My family and I had gathered around. They were congratulating me for finally finding someone I wanted to be with. And during this dream, I argued that I wasn't married. But my new husband spoke up and told me to stop joking around. And when I looked over, I couldn't see his face. But I did see his hair. It was a light brown. I looked over at my mom, who was in tears, wearing a pearl necklace, and asked who that was. My mom said his name, but all I heard was white noise. I basically spent the entire dream arguing with people about how I wasn't married. But the second and most recent dream of weddings was during the day of the wedding. I was having my wedding in a church that I've never seen before. I was getting dressed in the same dress from the dream that I had prior. And in the room where I was getting ready were my mom and some other woman. And an old woman. Something told me that this older woman was my new grandmother-in-law. She was a hateful old woman who seemed to hate me. But it didn't (laughs) really bother me. All of a sudden, I got a knock on the door that I'm getting ready in. And it was my husband-to-be. The grandmother says to him that he can't see me before the wedding, but he insists that he has to tell me something important. I ask what it is, thinking it's serious. And he looks me dead in the eye and asks me, why did the chicken cross the road? His grandmother becomes furious at him, yelling at him to get out, and I, on the other hand, was delighted by how stupid this was and started laughing. It had been so funny to me that I actually woke up laughing at such a stupid joke. And while I have no plans to get married anytime soon... At the very least, I can say my future looks bright with whoever I end up with. My last story is called Phantom Kid. This is the most recent supernatural event to happen to me. In fact, I haven't had anything really supernatural happen to me in at least four years at this point. I used to work at my city's tourist center, which was how I got into your podcast. Slow days and long hours were made easier with spooky stories. And this actually happened while I was listening to your podcast. 
I had a group of four people come in, a perfectly normal-looking group, a pair of grandparents and children. There was an eight-year-old boy and a four-year-old boy, a grandfather, and a grandmother. The two boys looked related and were wearing similar outfits, except for the numbers on the back of their shirts were different. The older boy was wearing an eight, and the younger one had a seven. The grandmother spoke to them, pointing out some display cases out in the hallway, and at this point I had to shut off your podcast and I was listening in on what they were saying. The four of them headed over towards the bathrooms. This is where stuff gets weird. The grandmother takes the oldest little boy to the bathroom before shortly coming back out. Then, the grandfather seems to go to the bathroom with the youngest boy in tow. Odd, but not unusual. Maybe the younger boy wanted to hang out with the old man more. And while the grandfather is in the bathroom, I get up to speak to the grandmother. Near our bathrooms, we had a bunch of tourist information that I was supposed to hand out to let people know of things that were happening around town. The very moment I stepped out of the gift shop and into the room with the bathrooms and information, I forgot about the other little boy. Looking back, there was like a haze over my mind as I spoke to her and the older boy. I pointed out an attraction that she could take the little boy to. I went to say it would be a great thing to do with the boys, but something kept me from using the plural and made me use the singular. As I spoke with the grandma, the oldest little boy and the grandpa came back out. I joked and laugh with them and then pointed right in the direction of where they needed to go. And as they left, I headed back over to my desk and sat down before it dawned on me. The youngest boy wasn't with them. The first thing out of my mouth was, where did the other little boy go? My mind began racing. Did they leave him? I ran into the office and got the supervisor. The last thing I wanted was to have a lost child. I asked her how many people were in the group because they left through the front door near the office and she'd said three. I told her that I counted four. So we checked the bathroom and there was no little boy in sight. I felt crazy. I swore up and down that I saw another little boy, and I'm sure my supervisor thought I was insane from the look she gave me. She just waved off the whole event as me miscounting or seeing a reflection of the older boy. But I swear, I did not see the little boy in a reflection. He looked too different from the older one. And on top of that, the numbers on their shirts were different. Looking back, it was weird that I didn't hear him speak. I also didn't see the grandparents directly interacting with him either. But seeing a disappearing child wasn't what bothered me the most. I've seen ghosts before, so that wasn't new. What was new was something making me forget that he existed in the first place when I went to speak to the grandmother. It was weird. I don't know what it was. But that's all I've got for now. Feel free to use any of this for the show. Keep doing what you're doing and see you on the other side. Ashley. Wow. Oh, creepy. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot to this story. First of all, Mm -hmm. to go over the first one where her pets perished in the fire. That's absolutely devastating i know it's so sad and it's it's so sad that like her room still stood and that's where the pets were and yet you know that's the thing that we often i think like as a little kid you don't realize that when you think of a fire the fire is not what is nearly as dangerous as the smoke which is right just horrible so sad but it's truly amazing that all of the pets came and visited her and they all were kind of like together in this little group. I know. And almost immediately too, like right. before she even knew of the fire, they came to visit her. It almost makes me think less of them as being pets. This I'm making this sound. I'm leading up to making this sound bad. I care a lot <laughs> about pets and I care a lot about animals, but we always talk about traveling souls And it makes me think that this was not necessarily just a pet in this lifetime, but maybe a collection of traveling souls that are Mm -hmm. super attached and go through life with Ashley. 
and all of them previously knew each other. And that's why they spent yeah. so much time in the afterlife. Like, I, granted, they were pets together, but I don't know. It just feels like there's something more. Well, if you think about women in, I mean, years and years ago, used to have like upwards of 17 children. Like, what if these all in a past life were mm-hmm. Ashley's children and mm-hmm. they're her traveling souls? And instead of her having 17 or having that many children in this life, because as she said, she's not yet looking for marriage, perhaps they came to her as pets. Right. Oh, wow. I mean, it's clear that she had such a strong connection with them. I mean, the the image of them appearing in this like beautiful orb of light Mm -hmm. is so special and unique. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you're right. It reminds me of like guardians or traveling souls or something very meaningful and important. Oh, well, a sweet, a sweet end to something tragic. I know. And perhaps not quite as tragic, but and somewhat a little hilarious is if Ashley does find love anytime soon in her memory of this like while her memory is sharp of this uh future wedding dream i wonder if the 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 grandmother-in-law will (laughs) will uh not like her so much i hope she does but it's funny funny to think that like she'll be like oh shit this is what my dream was about (laughs) well you know what it makes me think is that she couldn't see his face or hear his name because the meeting of them is not yet supposed to happen But I wonder as that meeting comes closer and that time does near, if his face and his name will become more clear in dreams. Mm -hmm. And then I also imagine that like as the relationship progresses, she will tell him of this dream and mention the joke of why the chicken crossed the road. So him knocking on the door on their wedding day is going to be not only a hilarious, stupid joke, but this like emotional, meaningful moment that... Oh my god. From the beginning of time brought them together. Chills. I know. We are writing her love story right now. (laughs) (laughs) I like that we're taking credit for the universe, even though the universe is doing it and we're not. (laughs) That's okay. You're the writer though. You're filling in the dots of what this this joke could be, and I'm here for it. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Oh, chills. (sighs) Love, love. Love, love. And then weird that that I wonder what that who that child was was it like a sibling who passed away and just is tagging along like I wish that she I wish so badly that she had been able to catch up to the to the grandparents and the child and been like hey where's the other one and and hear the story yeah you know what it makes me think of too is if it were grandparents I would assume mm-hmm. their age might be somewhere between sixty and ninety let's say just yeah. To give it a, a ballpark. And it makes me wonder if perhaps the child that was going to the bathroom with the grandfather is not a child, but rather, what if it was like his older brother who'd already passed away or something? Mm. You know how sometimes spirits regress, not regress, yeah. but they appear as a child. They take on the appearance of a time when they were happiest. And maybe it was like in uh-huh. his childhood with his brother. And so now the spirit of this grandfather's brother is now appearing as a child, but it's really, it's just two brothers hanging out. Interesting. Spending time together. So many possibilities. So many. And the beauty of ghost stories is that, you know, oftentimes we don't get the full story. So you get to, you get to wonder, you get to ponder, you get to read between the lines a little bit. The what ifs. 
All of the what ifs. Okay. This is called Skinwalkers, Bigfoot, and Messages from Beyond. Oh, snap. Hi, ladies and ghost and Leia. I really enjoy the podcast and have been meaning to write y'all for a while. I have two stories. One scary, one sweet. Kinda. Okay, here it goes. <laughs> As a kid, my mom, sister, and I would go visit my grandparents in Colorado Springs. They lived in a newer development that pushed back into the Black Forest, and my grandparents' cul-de-sac backed up to the woods. There was also an entrance to a walking trail leading from the street to the woods along one side of the house. We were visiting my grandparents for some holiday or other, and most of my extended family was also there, so we had a pretty full house. So full that me, my mom, and my sister all had to share a room, and I drew the short straw and ended up sleeping on the old army cot of my grandfather's at the foot of the bed where my mom and sister were sleeping. I'm a heavy sleeper, and I fall asleep quickly, so lights out and I'm out. But something woke me up in the middle of the night. I could hear breathing. Not just (gasps) any breathing, but heavy, loud breathing. The hair on the back of my neck stood up. I broke out in a cold sweat and I was afraid to move from under the blanket. Frozen in fear, all I could do was listen. No. The heavy breathing continued. But then I heard the sound of something dragging on gravel on the walking trail right next to the house. We were in the middle upstairs bedroom, so probably 30 to 40 feet away from the trail and a story up. The breathing was so loud. It sounded like it was just on the other side of the window. I laid there and listened to the breathing and the dragging sound getting gradually louder and then slowly fade away again. And somehow, eventually, I managed to go back to sleep. Naturally, the next morning, the noises were not only the talk of the house, but the whole neighborhood because everyone heard (gasps) it. Whoa. Oh, I just got chills. The neighbors next door had huge German shepherds, and their dad told us that when he heard the breathing the night before, he bravely went downstairs to see what it was, and he found both of his big, scary dogs cowering together and whimpering in the corner of his kitchen in a puddle of their own urine. Oh, my gosh. We never found out exactly what it was, but your episode on skinwalkers reminded me of this experience. Or maybe it was Bigfoot. A bear? Who knows? But I've never felt that sort of paralyzing fear before or since. Oh my god, it reminds me almost of Night Marchers, the ho- the story yes, in, in Hawaii. Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Like everyone heard it. That's so wild. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, <sighs> chills. Oh god, it's so creepy. It's so creepy. Everybody heard. And the thing is, is well, we hold on. The story's not done. <laughs> All right, second story. My friend Aaron died unexpectedly at 28 on the 21st of September, 2018, a week before his 29th birthday. We'd Mm -hmm. been friends for nearly 15 years, and almost all of my best teenage stories involve him in some way or another. He was a great friend, an incredibly driven, and a talented musician. But he had his demons, which led him to leaving this world. Due to these demons, none of his friends or family were aware that he died until the 5th of October. The weeks surrounding his birthday and his death day, the song September by Earth, Wind, and Fire was constantly stuck in my head. I think my coworkers considered murdering me because I would break out into song, the same song, over and over. If you're not familiar with the song, the lyric is, do you remember the 21st night of September? Wait, I'm trying to think of how, do you know the tune, Sabrina? Mm Mm-mm. You're asking the worst musically inclined person. I can't remember either. Do you remember the 21st night of September? 
the exact date of his death. I think this was Aaron's way of communicating with me to let me know that something happened to him. Music was his greatest passion, and I believe that he will make this song play for me sometimes to let me know that he's okay where he is and to not forget about him, or maybe just for a little attention. LOL. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for your podcast. Keep up the great work. Ghoulishly yours, Jana. P.S. Both Leia and my cat, Leela, are big talkers. So sometimes when Leia talks on the podcast, I meow back like a crazy cat lady, <laughs> like the crazy cat lady I am, because I think I'm responding to my own cat. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jenna. Jenna, you and I do the exact same. I talk to Leia all the time. Honestly, oh. Sabrina, your cat meows are really realistic. Sometimes when you do it, I don't know the difference between you and Leia. <laughs> I've had a lot of practice. Yeah. A lot of conversations. Wow. Jenna, I'm so sorry for your loss of your friend. Yeah. But it's beautiful that he's come to you with this song and that it to me doesn't seem like a coincidence that that song was in your head over I and know. over, especially with the the idea that or the fact that his family and friends didn't know or find his body until so much later. Yeah. It also is nice to have like I don't know, just have this one song be kind of like your inside not an inside joke, but like a moment between you two that will just come mm -hmm. up from time to time. It's like a new memory that you've created together to just yeah. remember how much you cared about one another. That's true. That's sweet. And then as for this mass breathing and dragging of gravel yeah. and dogs in their own urine, this just makes me, it's so bizarre because not only did everyone hear it, but my thing is that Everyone heard it and was paralyzed with fear for the most part, yeah. clearly, because if everyone heard it, this means that Jana was at the cot, like at the end of the bed, thinking that she was the only one in the house hearing it and in every single other room and in the bed above where she slept where yeah. two other family members also paralyzed in fear listening to this. That's true, which partially makes me think. Yes, Skinwalkers is a great option. I mean, again, to this what ifs of the paranormal, but like aliens could be a possibility, something similar. I know. I literally thought like interdimensional species that just kind of crossed yeah. over for a second. I wonder what the boundary of, of people hearing this was. Like they said the entire neighborhood, but did it extend further than that? Or was it just in that area? Like I, I wonder. Yeah. It also kind of reminds me of Santa, you know, how – when Santa's traveling on his sleigh with his reindeer, he stops at every house. And so everyone hears him on the roof. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. But, I mean, Santa travels all over the place. However, this happened right next to the Black Forest. So I feel like it's aptly yeah. named to to make it seem like it's spooky. Like it's a little spooky, but like also sounds yeah. beautiful, like all these trails and a development nearby some nice gravel, but then when you pair it with deep, loud breathing and something dragging across yeah. the gravel, it just tur turns into like a nightmare. Like what would be something that increases your like property value <laughs> of your new <laughs> home? Like a beautiful forest, some nice trails, and now it's it's a nightmare. Yeah, that's very scary. Ooh. Creepy. Super But it sounds creepy. like it was a one-time thing too. So I'm just – I have lots of questions. I know. It kind of reminds me of, do you remember when we were doing, oh God, I can't even remember what the episode was, but there were people that were like patrolling the desert and there was someone that was like looking through a scope 
and saw like on the heat like thermal scope detector saw this like giant creature stalking these two men but the men themselves even though they were like five feet away couldn't see anything at all yeah and the creature was like huge and it just reminds me of that like there's there are things that we cannot fathom things that we cannot explain creatures properties elements that are unknown or or maybe we think we know and we don't fully understand all of the usage of them yeah, I mean, we we don't use all of our brains. So nope. There's plenty we don't understand. I use half of, I think, what was given to me. <laughs> so, oh gosh, creepy. All right, let's hear yours. Kind of going along with what your story was. This is a story titled "Black Eyed Children and Home Invader," and it's from Amanda. Hey girls, I'm Amanda, and I want to start off by saying I adore your podcast, and I am currently on episode 42. It was either that one or the one before it where a memory of mine manifested. So I'll start off with that one, but I do have other stories for you to read as well. Okay, so this story takes place in 2003 or 2004. So basically, my family used to do the same vacation every year because it was the easiest to do with how many children were in my family. I live in Billerica, Massachusetts, which is not far from New New Hampshire. So Santa's Village and Storyland were a little over an hour away. Love those places. Always stayed in the same hotel on the same floor and about the same rooms and the old broken down playground next to it. So one night after we went out for dinner, we always went out to the moose lookout places and along the dark roads to look for moose. At this time, I was probably around eight years old. So my older sister, Sam, who was nine, my younger sister, Michaela, who was six, and my little brother, Jason, who was four, were all crammed into my parents' van listening to music and talking when Michaela sees something out of the window. So we all look over and we see this little girl on the side of the road. She looked normal and was wearing a blue dress with blonde pigtails holding a pillow pet, which were all the craze when I was a kid. And her eyes were dark. I honestly don't know if it was how the headlights hit her or if we actually saw a black-eyed child, but she was just standing alone on the side of the road, staring at our car. Let me just say that it was probably around 9 p.m. in September in the middle of the woods where there were no houses for miles. Immediately, we started screaming to my parents to pull over to help her, and my dad got a little annoyed and said that he didn't see anyone. So be quiet because he didn't want us to scare the animals away. And my mom was even holding a spotlight into the woods, and she said she didn't see the child either. What? That night, we were all getting ready for bed when we kept hearing footsteps outside of our hotel door. This wasn't a closed-in hotel. It was one like a motel where you entered your room from outside. And my older sister kept saying that it was her outside the door, the girl, and that she followed our car. Obviously, we were freaking out and made our brother Jason go look outside the window because he was the youngest and didn't know better. Yeah, I know that was really mean of us, but we were kids. He said that there was something on the ground in the parking lot, but that no one was in the hall. So Sam and I looked out and we saw a pillow pet sitting (gasps) next to our van. Oh my God. Oh my God. The next morning it was gone and we never saw her or that pillow pet again. (gasps) Oh, I have chills this second story happened recently it was 2019 and my house is haunted as hell for my entire life we always had two ghost people and a lot of ghost puppies the puppies are in my room so sometimes they pop onto my bed in the middle of the night and curl up onto my legs 
and I swear it's the cutest thing in the world. In the basement, we have a little two-year-old boy who closes the washer and dry on us, and roaming the whole house is the lady in big work boots. This lady used to freak out my mom. I mean, if you saw a woman standing over your children's cribs, wouldn't you be freaked out? This woman was never mean, and when we saw her, something was always wrong, like when we were really sick or had broken a bone. So we just got used to her. Even if she did creep me out standing at the foot of my bed when I was really sick. After years and years of us having the same furniture, we decided to throw our couch away and get a new one. Literally the same day we got it delivered, my mom and I felt really uneasy. Then, after a few days, it stopped, and the next delivery was coming the next day. My sister was upstairs with me and my mom playing with my niece for a bit, and then they both went into the basement, which was my sister's room. So I was left upstairs watching TV for probably a minute, when all of a sudden, papers flew off my dining room table. I shook it off like nothing because we have four cats, so I just assumed it was one of them. But then there was a large bang from the kitchen, and I saw that a few containers fell off the counter— and I heard heavy footsteps stomping to the stairs, and the baby gate swung open with such force that it damaged the wall, and then there were stomps going down the stairs. I'm sitting on the chair, paralyzed with fear, looking around. There is not one single cat around me, and my dogs had sprinted towards the back door in fear. I get up and ran down the same path as the lady did, only because my mom and sister were down there. Safety in numbers. I told them and they both said I was crazy. The lady never moved anything in my house or did anything that scared us so badly. So I was really hoping she was just mad because of the furniture and it wasn't something else. A couple of weeks later, I finally calmed down from the whole thing and I went up to my room to go to sleep. I opened my window because it was the first nice night of the year and I almost never sleep with the window open. Around 12, I felt an extremely cold breeze flow in through the window. I hoped it was just the wind and I fell asleep. I can't specifically remember, but I had some of the worst nightmares I've ever had in my life. And each time I fell asleep, I was jolted awake, like in the movies where they sit upright. So I tried to shake it off, but something felt really wrong. And after I started dozing back to sleep, the lights in my room would flicker and then turn off and on, off and on. I saw the light switch literally moving up and down like someone was moving it, but no one was there. Every time it was dark next to my bureau, where no reflective surfaces were, I saw little red lights. Not like eyes. They were moving around independently. So at around 3 a.m., I was horribly exhausted and tried to go back to sleep thinking of only good things. And I was finally about to fall asleep when my computer started blaring music and the lights started turning off and on again. I gave up. I knew I was not going to get any sleep that night. So I turned on the small lamp next to my bed and tried to start reading because in my head... If I left my room, it would follow me and go into someone else's. I also didn't close my window so it didn't get stuck in the house. Whatever it was, it was not one of the ghosts in my house to begin with. It has been a month now and nothing has happened, knock on wood, and I don't want to sage because I don't want to upset the others in my house. So, thanks for reading. Stay spooky and see you on the other side, Amanda. Oh my gosh, that's so, that's so scary. It's like... I know. Part of me is like, okay, well, the, if it's loud work boots, then we can assume that it's the lady that we already know about, that they already know about and have seen. And it kind of sounds like she was nice, like she was checking in when something was really wrong, when they were really sick, just like mm-hmm. making sure everyone was okay. She had some sort of, you know, role in like motherly how yeah. things went. Yeah. But what's so creepy is, is the idea that she 
would act kind of like aggressively about just the couch. And so what makes (laughs) me, it makes me want to believe that like maybe the new couch came with something, but Mm. the sound of the work boots, it's like, okay, well, it's her. So Yeah. I mean, maybe she doesn't like change, which is something that's common with ghosts. I feel like they often don't like change. Right. Which like, did she come with the couch? Yeah. I don't know. I also wonder if part, like part of me wonders if the couch leaving made her think that the family was going to leave, like they were removing furniture and they were going to leave the house, which made her upset. Oh, right. Then when the new one came. Right. I don't know. Because they probably weren't the first family to live in that house. They probably weren't the first family to leave the house. So I'm sure that's a, that's a good, that's a good observation that it could be that it just was reminiscent of a time when another family that she felt connected to left and she didn't want to risk like a bad family moving in. Yeah. She just likes them. She has attachment issues. Right. But the kid, the child in the woods. Yeah, that is so scary. And it's also really close to where I live, (laughs) which scares me. Like, I mean, I'm not near Bill Ricca, but like I grew up going to Santa's Village and Storyland. Like my, that was just like what we did. Eek. I'm so curious. Okay. I don't want to believe it was a black eyed kid because... In the stories we've heard of black-eyed kids, I feel like they make their presence known to everyone and often do target adults. So for the fact that her parents did not see this child makes me think it was actually a, a, a poor, innocent little ghost who maybe, unfortunately, sadly died in those woods. Maybe. I don't know, though. It feels so them. taunting to just, like, leave the stuffed animal in the driveway, though, doesn't it? I think may I don't know maybe it's just the way that I read it but it could have been the child just wanting attention and like finally someone saw her and made eye contact with her yes yeah, sure she had dark eyes but it could have been the way the headlights were hitting her and she she felt seen and wanted to be with them and she might be confused and I'm trying to see the good in it I know I'm surprised that you're taking this approach usually it's the opposite <laughs> for us I know. I'm going to go straight to, no, it was something darker. It was something more sinister. I know. Almost like a warning of like, this This could be you. Oh, oh my God. Corinne, scary. <laughs> Creepy. Uh. Okay, okay. All right. This is called Seven Years of Spook. And it is from Abigail and Randall. So we have two, two people writing us in. Oh, I love the husband the and wife. tag team. Yes. Hi, Corinne and Sabrina. My husband, Randall, and I recently moved from Seattle to New York City by way of a road trip and had never listened to podcasts until we stumbled upon yours. It made driving 60 hours fun and low-key terrifying. <laughs> Randall and I married when we were 19 and we are now in our mid-20s. Throughout our relationship, we've experienced many weird and off-putting paranormal things, so I'm just going to brain vomit them all to you. Love awesome. brain vomit. Perfect. My favorite kind. When Randall and I first became friends, we went on a trip up to my cabin, not glamorous, with our friends in Ashton, Idaho. The cabin was never really used and is somewhere around 100 years old. Whoa. It is shared with my father's siblings, and I remember 
And I remember whenever we would spend time there, my little sister would always talk about seeing a man at night. Anyway, our friend group had fun watching scary movies and we were all tired and tried to fall asleep. Throughout the night, we noticed a strange red light coming from the bathroom, but there was no one and nothing that could have been creating this light, but we just kind of ignored it and we continued to try to sleep. (laughs) Everyone was tossing and turning and there was an unsettling feeling. Around 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning, something fell into the fireplace from the chimney. This woke everyone up and we decided to turn on a movie, pack it up, and leave as soon as the sun rose. As we were turning the movie on, a huge bang came from the front door. We all freaked out and we sat quietly for a minute and then started getting our things ready to leave. So scary. So scary. Oh my God. This is like literally like Cabin in the Woods. All of the friends go to stay together and then they all get murdered. Like that scary movie. Terrifying. Seen this movie before. So I'm glad it didn't end this way because we (laughs) have the email. Um, Once the sun finally started to rise, we began loading the car. We left the front door open and before we could bring anything out, a dog walked up to the bottom of the steps. It was mangy and skinny and it didn't have a collar. It stared into our space for a minute and then it turned and ran the opposite way. After that, we got the hell out of there and we shared our feelings and thoughts during the car ride home. (laughs) A year later, Randall and I wound up getting married in the same cabin. Hey, you did pick a story about marriage. I did. Unintentionally, but yes. (laughs) With such intention. And we some of our wedding photos from the cabin are riddled with orbs. Pics below. After Mm -hmm. we married, we moved to Pocatello, Idaho. A video of a ghost at a high school came out a couple of years ago, and we lived just a couple of blocks away from that school. We also came across an abandoned elementary school about a half a block away from our apartment. The school's windows were all boarded up, weeds were overgrown, and it was just quietly sunken back. One night, I think around 11, as Randall and I were sitting on the couch close to our open windows, we started hearing children laughing from the direction of the school. It was Ooh. as if there was a recess and everyone was out playing. It was strange because it began quietly and Randall and I just looked at each other with this like, is this real look on our faces? (laughs) And after we turned and looked out the windows, we froze in fear as the laughter got louder and louder. And then it transitioned into what sounded like 20 dogs barking. Oh my God, that is not where I thought it was going. (gasps) Man, someone's not sleeping tonight. A couple of years later, we moved to Hawaii for fun and then Seattle for work. I was in Seattle before Randall and I were temporarily living on Brainbridge Island. And after a really rough day with the people that I was staying with, I decided to move my things to a friend's house late late at night. Bainbridge is pitch black at night. And while the stars are beautiful, it is fucking terrifying. (laughs) As I quietly began bringing all of my stuff out to my car, I heard some sort of noise coming from behind the backyard. I chalked it up to the neighbors, although I did not know if there was anyone living behind the house. I continued filling my car and noticed a particular tree in that same area shaking. In the same moment, I heard the scariest animalistic shriek that filled me with an ice-cold dread. I froze, and for the first time ever, my fight-or-flight instincts kicked in and I sprinted towards the front door. I woke up my friend, and she confirmed that she had heard it but was angry that I woke her up and started to noisily bring my belongings out to my car. I felt incredibly vulnerable because, again, everything was pitch black and my car was lit up in the middle of it. 
I threw the rest of my belongings in. I sped off. As my gas and engine light turned on, I passed a street sign. Bigfoot Ave. A year later, my sister shared a video on Facebook that was the exact scream that I heard that oh night my gosh. in Bainbridge. Okay, and then she put a YouTube video, so I'm going to click on the link, and we're going to listen to it together. I haven't done it before. Oh, I think we've listened to this one before. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to do it again. So. Oh, it's like a very piercing scream. Yeah, it's like a screech. It's like, ah! Creepy. Ugh. Yeah. We'll try to remember to put the link to this clip in our show notes, but if not, um, Rumble Viral is the YouTube verified account that uploaded it, and it's called, the title of it is called, This Clip Just Captured the Most Terrifying Sounds in the Canadian Woods. Look, Canada again. It's always Canada. It's always Canada. What's happening in Canada? Okay. Shortly after this, Randall and I moved into an apartment with a roommate. Her energy was so strong, and as we would come to find out, evil after so much time trying to communicate and figure things out i would find myself just drained of all energy and ended up getting random bruises and scratches all the time one day i planned on grabbing some sage as i was home alone but decided to take a nap depression you know lol i've had a history of night terrors and sleep paralysis but it's gotten a lot better over the years but during my nap i had a nightmare about my apartment which had not happened before As I woke up, I thought, hell no, time to purchase some sage, and looked up more ways for protection. As I walked through the living room, our room divider, propped against the wall, fell and missed me by an inch. After I cleansed the space and placed angelica root in each corner of our space, things got a little better, but they weren't resolved until we moved. Fast forward to this past month, Randall and I moved to New York City, and we chose to drive cross-country. During this time, we found your podcast. Yay! Hmm. I'll also attach a video from an awkward haunted painting encounter in Lincoln, Nebraska, but we're finally in New York, City, New York City and currently staying at an old apartment in Brooklyn. We often listen to your episodes on our Bluetooth speaker. One night, we started listening to one of the demon episodes, and I freaked out and just turned the speaker off. Randall eventually dozes off, and I toss and turn, trying to sleep. And once I'm finally comfortable facing the window and curtains, I close my eyes and hear a slam. And I open my eyes and I see what looks like two hands pushing through the curtain, (gasps) followed by a frame (gasps) that we had in the window falling forward and onto the floor. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm so scared. I screamed and Randall woke up. I explained the situation and made him switch spots with me. (laughs) I know it sounds crazy, but the hands were staggered through the curtain, and it was as if I was watching the frame fall. A couple weeks later, I'm in the bathroom when I hear a large crash again from the kitchen. I run to investigate, and I find that the lights are all off, but a shelf above the sink holding plants and soap had ended up in the sink with everything broken. I text our roommate, and she comes to take a look. As we're talking, I tell her that no one was in here and said, so is this place haunted or what? (laughs) To which she replies with a small laugh and says that this isn't the only instance and that whatever is in here is a pretty nice ghost. So confirmed, I'm not crazy. Things have settled down and the more I think about what's happened, I think that our ghost also maybe got scared listening to those episodes. (laughs) Thanks for reading. Keep up the good work. See you on the other side. Abigail and Randall. Wow. Abigail and Randall, you have had 
so many experiences. You've traveled the entire country. You've lived in so many places. And it seems like ghosts are everywhere for you. Oh, my God. You can't outrun them. No. And like literally so many experiences all together as a couple, too. They're just like a little ghost couple, you know? They're like just a little ghost ghost experiencers. I know. I love it. But wow, there is a lot. I can't stop thinking about like the the Bigfoot thing out outside. It's so creepy. Yeah. I'm also curious because we just read that story or I just read that story from mm-hmm. Amanda and she was saying like the red lights that were in her room that were moving and and again and now in Abigail's story, she mentioned the red lights moving that wasn't coming from anywhere. There was no source in the cabin. And I'm so curious, like, what is that? What is that? And why is that a common thing in paranormal experiences? Yeah, is it some sort of like siren, some sort of signal that (laughs) a dimension is opened up or that something's about to come? Like, what is it? Ghost siren? It's a ghost siren. It could be. I don't know. Creepy. I'm just really disturbed from the experience that they had uh, in Pocatello, Idaho, where they were by the elementary school, the abandoned elementary school, and the laughter turned into dog parks. Like, that feels very, like, skinwalker to me. So ominous and off-putting and, like, so manipulative, too. It reminds me of – we've read a couple stories of where people have been, like, ghost hunting or just out at night, and they think they hear the sound of an owl or the sound of, like – a cat or like something and then as they get closer it sounds more human yeah it's so unsettling it's and so just crazy. so not not something i want to experience no Ooh. i'm scared <laughs> crazy how many experiences they had together though that's i mean i'm i'm glad it was together you know yeah now they're just like this little haunted couple that can share their stories with us so i feel bad i'm for appreciative the of that, that was that was spooked by our uh, <laughs> <laughs> scarier episodes <laughs> We're all in this together, even the ghosts. Yeah, they're like, stop playing that. <laughs> I can't sleep. Wake up. <laughs> well, it is interesting because we've heard from people, from listeners, who have listened to specifically Dominus, episode 12, and that they have had really weird things happen to them, mm-hmm. like the podcast being turned off continuously by some unseen or unfelt entity. Like, it feels like the paranormal world is like, we probably should not be playing this. Yeah, I know, which really is disturbing because it, it almost, you know, we talk about like that that movie Demon House where people that watch mm-hmm. it supposedly, like there's a warning at the beginning of the film that tells you that people have uh, encountered a lot of like bad luck and, and demonic yeah. sort of presences after watching the film. And I almost feel like episode 12 was like somewhat reminiscent that? of that, where there's just a lot that kind of surrounds that one episode. Yeah. Yeah. That was very I, early That might on. just be our podcast in general, not just that episode. True. I mean, we literally bought pot, we bought recording equipment that is on the web as like good kind of uh, <laughs> anti-ghost equipment most people try to catch evps and we're trying to prevent it yeah we're like hey can you not not right now like we can't we just need a moment we're trying please. to be professional <laughs> yeah oh wow okay okay what do you have i have a story from s and it's called a ouija board prediction and a cautionary tale hi ladies i just recently found your podcast i love it by the way and i wanted to share my story 
Well, to be fair, it's not just my story, but more my family's too. I'll start from the beginning. Recently, I was chatting with my older cousin, who we will call Marie, about one evening when we played the Ouija board. I was about six years old at the time, and she would have been around 12. Our other cousin, T, was also present, and around the same age as Marie. We were at my grandparents' home when someone got the bread idea to play the Ouija board. My grandma always had one and was into the occult and all things supernatural, and so my grandma let us play, which was pretty epic to us since she never let us do any of the cool things that she did with others. She explained the game to us, and the rules, and we sort of already knew because we had watched her play before. And then she supervised from the kitchen, which was sort of connected to the living room and dining area, where she always sat and drank her coffee. I remember I wasn't super into the game, or maybe I just didn't understand how it all worked, so I was kind of sitting back and watching. The game started out slow, but soon the planchette started to move. We all got so excited. I think this was the first time we had ever played, and my cousins T and Marie started to ask a few basic questions, and it kept answering. Nothing suspicious. I was running around the living room talking when T and Marie started gasping. They totally freaked out. My grandma, still sitting and observing, didn't say a word. She was letting us have our experience. And the planchette moved to L-I-S-A. That was my mother's name. And she had passed away recently. I stopped when they read the letters out loud again. It intrigued me and also kind of brought me a little sadness because it was so fresh. My grandma, having heard this, came into the living room, still watching, but instructing us on how to ask a few questions. Now that I'm an adult, I realize she was trying to make sure it was my mom and not someone pretending to be my mother. We asked a few questions that only my grandma would know the answers to. Some very personal questions about my mom and her childhood. It answered them all correctly, according to my grandma, who had this shocked look on her face. I could tell at this point everyone was in disbelief. I mean, was this really my mom? It then told us a pretty chilling and random message. It said my uncle, who is Marie's father was going to pass away and join her on the other side. It kept saying this over and over. It would no longer answer any questions. It was focused on getting that message to us. My grandma then stopped the game because everyone was freaking out. And so she helped move the planchette to goodbye. And my grandma took the board from us and blessed it. She told us we couldn't play anymore. And I really hadn't seen my grandma so freaked out during a game before. And what's even scarier is that my uncle passed away not too soon after we played the game. A pretty dark and horrific sort of death, which I'll leave out the terrible details, but it was a murder. And I sort of feel like now, if it was my mom, maybe she was trying to prevent it from happening or at the very least prepare my grandmother for another loss. Right after we played, my grandma was on edge and I remember everyone else who was there also was on edge. My grandma since then has put all her Ouija boards and tarot cards away and hasn't played with them since. Nor did she do any readings for people. It all sort of hit too close to home for her. And my grandma started using this experience to warn people when they would ask to get a reading or bring out the Ouija board. Anyway, hope you enjoyed it. Just remember, don't play with Ouija boards. And if you do, expect the unexpected. You might get a little more than you had bargained for. Keep up the good work, ladies. I just recently had a baby and we listened to the podcast in the car. Baby ghosty in the making. See you on the other side. S. So cute cute ending to a kind of horrifying <laughs> Ouija board experience. Yeah. And so sad and and I mean Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. I mean, it's clear, um, to me at least, that 
S's mom was trying to get that message right. to her her grandmother. Right. The fixation on getting that one message across yeah. makes me think that it absolutely was her mom and that it was, right. you know, either meant to help people kind of like cope with it when it does come or some sort of like prevention if possible. But likely, right. I'm not sure there would have been anything that you could do at that point. But Right. That's the thing, though. It's it's so curious because we've heard Ouija board stories like this before where, where they predict the future and it's not always pleasant what comes off the board. But it brings up the question of can you change the future or is that predetermined? So even getting the message across mm-hmm. can't change what's going to happen, but it is more of just like a, hey, I want you to know. Right. To, like she said, prepare for another mm-hmm. loss, which is, yeah. I mean, I, I get, I don't know if it's any easier, but I guess, I guess you're at least somewhat there and like right. a, a little bit more ready, maybe. I mean, it sounds like for her grandmother, it was, it was something she didn't want to know because she stopped playing with the Ouija board or reading tarot right. cards after that moment. Right. And too, like, man, just just the amount of questions I would have about the spirit world after that and just mm-hmm. the confusion that I would have about the messaging. And also just the I, I would feel so torn between wanting to use the Ouija board, knowing that I would make contact with, you know, like right. my mom or my daughter. But at the same time, having such a strong and scary message come forth. Yeah. There's so much risk in that and kind of closing your off, closing yourself off. Like ignorance is bliss at certain right. times. And when you're contacting the spirit world, it really can be entirely up in the air what sort of things you learn. Right. And yeah, I mean, it's never going to be easy to deal with the loss of a loved one, but to hear that message and then not be able to do anything about it, I imagine mm-hmm. would be really, really difficult. Yeah. Well, I wonder if S's baby is going to uh, have any ghostly experiences when the baby gets a little older. Sounds like S is on board for it. I know. <laughs> little ghosty. Little ghosty sees other ghosties. Okay, so the last one I'm going to read is called Demonic Dream Inception. Harry. Hello, lovely Google friends. I discovered your podcast about a week ago from writing this, which was a year ago. Uh, I'm not totally unfamiliar to podcast land, but I'm surprised that I haven't found your podcast sooner. I'm a huge fan of the paranormal and your crime. And then here in parentheses, Travis wrote, longtime motorino, SSDGM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I apologize. Us too. Us too. Yeah, for sure. All caught up. My name is Travis, but to enhance the story, I will go by my Native American name, Thunderhawk. I'm one-third Cherokee Indian. Little backstory. I used to be heavily involved in church. I was a member of a local megachurch in Modesto, California. Served on the worship team, led smaller services, the works. I heavily believed in the paranormal, the spiritual, and the unexplainable. I left that church, fast forward almost two years, to my experience. I moved in with my then-girlfriend's, now-wife's, family's house. Her parents recently moved out and left their grown kids to live and take care of the home and the property. Every morning, my brother-in-law needed a ride to work, and this was usually about 
4.30, 4.45 a.m. And we would leave and take him as he didn't have a working car. Wow, that's so nice. Very nice. My mo- So early? So early. My wife and I would switch off every day as to who would take him. And this particular morning, it was my wife's turn to take her brother to work. She woke me up to let me know that she'd be back soon from taking him. And I kissed her and I told her to drive carefully. Before I fell back to sleep, I noticed that there was something a little off about the house this particular morning. More specifically, there was something off about my bedroom. I brush it off and I fall back to sleep, knowing that my wife would be back in roughly 30 minutes. Enter the most demonic and terrifying Inception dream I've ever had. To anyone who hasn't seen the movie Inception, I'm referring to the sequence in the movie where Leo and crew went three dreams deep. That's right, I had a three-layer demonic nightmare. No. I wake up in the first dream in my bed, in my house, moments after my wife has left, as if it's reality. I'm acutely aware of the fact that she's left because I remember her leaving to take her brother to work. I get up out of the bed, extremely confused as to what's going on. I walk over to the bedroom door, which is closed, and I open it. I look down the long, narrow hallway towards the kitchen. There are two bedrooms on the right side of the hallway before you reach the kitchen. The last bedroom door is opened. And our roommate has her head poked out, looking towards the kitchen, but she's not moving. I call her name and she doesn't respond or look at me. Mind you, her head is looking away from me and I can't see her face. So I slowly walk towards the kitchen and as I approach, I hear the sound of TV static faintly in the distance. On the other side of the kitchen wall is the living room. I walk into the kitchen and I see my roommate's friend standing in the opening to the living room, looking away from me as well. I can't see his face. I thought this was strange, but I kept walking forward and the static kept getting louder. As I rounded the living room wall and looked at the TV, the static completely stopped and the TV was turned off. At this point, I get really freaked out and I turn back towards the kitchen and this is where my heart stopped and I went into full panic mode. Both my roommate and my roommate's friend had turned around again so I couldn't see their faces. But the thing, oh God, that... I just, that just freaked me out so much. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I feel uncomfortable that like my back is exposed right now. Like I need to be laying down. But the thing that really stood out to me was what I saw past them. The hallway I had just walked down before had become totally black, not just dark, but a tangible blackness that I could feel. I walk quickly into the hallway. What was I thinking? And the oh, bathroom no. door was right next to my bedroom door and it was open. I looked inside and up in the corner of the bathroom next to the shower ceiling, there was a hole in the wall. I could see the framing of our house as if someone took a hammer to it. And I looked inside and I see a small face and bright red eyes inside the hole. I couldn't tell what kind of creature it was, but I didn't really care. And I opened my bedroom door and I ran inside. I collapsed on my couch into the fetal position and I started crying. My wife came back home and walked into the room with me and stood over me. And I looked up at her, and I noticed that her eyes were black and staring blankly at me. I knew something wasn't right because she's the kindest and most loving woman I've ever known. She asked me in a monotone, emotionless voice, what's wrong? I told her something's wrong in the house and that she needs to help me. And she kept asking me in this monotone, what's wrong? And I kept screaming and crying, help me. And I screamed, and then I woke up into the second nightmare. I woke up thinking that this was reality and that I woke up from a really bad nightmare, but I noticed that something was wrong again. To spare this email from being obnoxiously long, I'll speed it up a bit. In this nightmare, I repeat everything from the first one except the end. 
and I'll start there. I start walking back towards the black hallway towards the bathroom again, and as I approach, I notice the hole in the wall ceiling had grown a bit bigger, and a demonic face was at the opening. This time, I could make out what it was. It was a freaking demonic child with red eyes. I open my bedroom door again, and I run inside, and I collapse on my couch again, and my wife comes home, and she walks into the bedroom, and this time, she sits right next to me on the couch, but again, she's very cold, and she's not herself. I cry and I start screaming again and I wake up into the third nightmare. This nightmare was a bit different. Everything about it was exactly the same as the first two, except for when I looked back at my roommate and my friend, I could actually see their faces, but they were frozen in place. The TV static stayed on long enough for me to see the TV, but turned off when I walked closer. I turned back towards, oh my God, I'm getting so such chills from this. This is really scary. I know. I need to put my light on. Yeah. (laughs) I turn back towards the hallway again, and this time I see the demon child standing in the doorway of the bathroom next to my bedroom door. I bolt straight into my bedroom, and I shut the door, and I collapse onto my couch. My wife comes home, but this time she's back to normal. She tries to comfort me, but I'm overwhelmed with terror because I felt like I was losing my mind. I couldn't tell what was real. I couldn't tell what wasn't. So I started screaming again. Finally, I wake up for real, but I didn't know it was reality. I thought it was another nightmare. My eyes blink open to the moment that my wife turns the handle to our bedroom door, and as she walks in, I'm lying in bed nearly paralyzed with fear. I begin to hyperventilate uncontrollably, unable to think straight. My wife immediately becomes scared for me and asks me what's wrong. The only word I can get out was pray. I was still in full-blown panic attack and couldn't breathe and couldn't talk. She began praying as hard as she could, and I noticed that our bedroom was darker than normal, and as she prayed, the darkness began to leave. I was finally able to regain my breath, and I started praying with her, commanding the evil presence to leave, and it did. Whoa. I've never had a dream like that since, and I believe our old neighbor lady was a witch of some kind. She didn't speak any English, and she never liked me very much. (laughs) (laughs) We don't live in that house anymore, and it has since been marked as unlivable by the city. Apparently, my wife's father was renovating one of the bathrooms, but gave up, and that room was completely filled with black mold. Whether I was influenced by the black mold or the neighbor cast something over me, I'll never know. Thanks for reading this, and remember to have a dream catcher in your bedroom. I didn't. See you on the other side, Thunderhawk. Wait, I'm so curious if the bathroom that had all the black mold is the same bathroom that in his dream he saw the hole with the demon? I know. Because maybe, I mean, I know this dream is terrifying, but maybe there was something trying to warn them about the danger that was in that wall. Right. Because black mold slash black demon child with red eyes, both are extremely dangerous. Very. Black mold is like deadly. Like they basically come in in hazmat suits. And I know this because my college house had it. And yeah, we were like, shouldn't we be in suits? Yes. I had a ton of like lung and breathing issues while living there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's really interesting. If it's like if it was like an attempt at a like metaphor. Not really a metaphor, but like well, I guess a warning. Yes, a warning. And it just wasn't necessarily that clear. But at the same time, when he woke up for real out of his triple dark dream, mm-hmm. there was still a heaviness and a darkness in the room. Right. Well, maybe the black mold brought forth demons. Yeah. Not 
not possible. Yeah. Not not impossible. Right. That's so, so scary. Creepy. And especially after going through so many of those cycles of dreams. Yeah, I imagine waking up in real life would be so scary because you don't know what if it's real. I also, what if he's still in the dream? No, Sabrina. <laughs> at least, at least he's emailing us. We're part of his dream. We're part of the dream. Oh my god, this is very We're meta. A figment of his What's even happening? Where are we? Who are we? Are we people? No, let's not. We're in Travis's mind. <laughs> it just I forgot what I was gonna say, but oh, I was gonna say thinking about the experience that in his dream of like the first two dreams being unable to see the faces and when he turns around the faces are like turned again that is so freaking creepy to me and then the third time being able to see the faces but the faces are frozen which reminds me of um oh my gosh is it the ring yes the ring Hmm. which like scarred me and it makes me (laughs) feel like if i had this dream i would have like Anytime I needed to talk to someone and someone was standing a little too still and had their head turned, I would just immediately be like, am I thrown back into this nightmare? Like, how long have I been living in a dream? Oh. I wouldn't be able to trust my reality anymore, I think, in those moments. I still don't trust my reality. This is why we go to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Speaking of, I need to put my light on because otherwise I'm going to have a nightmare tonight. Okay. Much better for another scary story to wrap this up. Woo! This is from Angelica, and it is called Who or What is Trying to Contact Me? Hey, girls. To start with some backstory, I was a strange little kid. (laughs) When I say strange, I mean that I used to love all things horror-related, and my favorite movies were the Nightmare on Elm Street series. I used to stay up all night watching them on VHS, only to wake up my dad to rewind them and start them over. When I was about eight years old, my dad and I were home alone, and he suggested that we play with the Ouija board. I have no idea what he was thinking or why he thought it would be a good idea, but for some reason, he did. He also liked to drink and smoke a lot, so that might explain a lot of his bad decisions. But anyway, I was sitting in the living room on a beanbag chair, leaning against an old upholstered wingback chair. The chair was next to the living room doorway, so I had a full view of the living room and the door in the living room, which led to my dad's bedroom. My dad set the Ouija board on the chair behind me, in the box, and then he said he had to grab his beer from his room and told me not to open the box until he came back out. He didn't want me touching it because it was very old and very delicate, and my eight-year-old self was not the most gentle with anything I touched. He was only in his room for maybe five to ten seconds, and when he came back out, he yelled at me. He yelled, Angelica Marie, I told you not to open the box until I came back. I turned around to see that the Ouija board had been taken out of the box, set up on the seat of the chair that I was leaning against, with the planchette located on the word hello. I jumped out of the beanbag chair and started crying hysterically. I had not touched the board. I was sitting there watching TV the entire time. I never heard a single thing move. I never felt anything. I didn't touch anything. And no one, no one else was home. And my dad had been in his bedroom with no way to sneak behind me, especially in such little time that he was in there. I still get goosebumps thinking about it. Super creepy. I never thought that house was haunted until after that night. And I started seeing things like figures passing by doorways. And this was just the beginning of my paranormal experiences. When I turned 12, I moved in with my mom and the house had some very bad vibes. I would see red glowing lights. 
hello, red glowing lights, mm-hmm. floating mm-hmm. in the hallway at night. And when I would go to check to make sure the wood stove hadn't caught fire, the lights would disappear. We would hear footsteps above us no matter what time of day. And I woke up on a Saturday and heard footsteps upstairs. So I went up to talk to my mom, but she wasn't there. When I discovered that she wasn't there, I heard the footsteps on the roof. I checked the rest of the house, including my basement, and no one was home but me and our dog wasn't even there. We would also wake up to find our shoes all tied together in the center of the living room each morning. And my mom tried to pass it off as the dog, but I am not buying that because how in the heck could a dog triple knot shoes together like that? No way. When I was 13, I met a guy who loved the paranormal and played with Ouija boards and tarot cards regularly. He would constantly try to get me to play and I would always refuse. But one night, a bunch of us kids were at his house watching TV and he brought out the board and asked everyone if they wanted to play. I said no, as usual, and he booed me for being a party pooper, but went on to play with the other kids. I sat by and watched, but refused to touch the board. They played for a while, but nothing really happened. So they stopped playing and put a movie on. We were about halfway through the love guru when the planchette moved on its own to the word, hello. Everyone else was super excited and started to play with the board again, but I began to have a full-blown panic attack and had to have my mom come pick me up. Before you ask why we didn't record this, this was before the time of smartphones. I had a cell phone, but it was one of those gray brick-shaped Nokia phones that could survive the apocalypse. I don't know who or what is trying to contact me, but every time I go near one of those boards, weird things happen. They move on their own, I feel heaviness in my chest, and I start to have panic attacks. My mom thinks it could be my biological father trying to reach me because he passed away exactly four months before I was born, but I don't think it's him. If it's him, why would I feel such negative energy? A huge part of me has always wanted to play and find out who has been trying to contact me, but a bigger part of me is terrified that something evil is trying to get me. I have no explanation to as, as to why I feel that way, but I do. I met with a medium a few years ago, and as soon as we sat down, she said, You're like me. I asked her what she meant, and, and she replied, You're like me. You are sensitive and you see things. Long pause. But you have blocked yourself off because you are afraid. She's right. I have seen things and I am terrified. I am also very sensitive to other people's emotions. Like, I cannot go to funerals. Even if I don't know the person who has passed, I will cry hysterically because it's like I can physically feel everyone else's pain. Mm. The medium encouraged me to open myself up and embrace this gift, but I don't think I want to. The paranormal terrifies me, and honestly, it's exhausting to feel what others feel. Before we ended our session, I asked the medium about who could be trying to reach me through the Ouija board, and she told me she did not know, but warned me to never play with a Ouija board. When I asked her why, she didn't go into detail, but said that nothing good can come from it. Part of me wonders if something is trying to get to me because I am more sensitive. I don't know, and it looks like I never will know because I will never touch one of those things. I don't even want to be in the same building as one. I have not experienced anything in about three years and would love to keep it that way. I still love all things horror as long as I can keep myself out of the experiences. Uh, I hope that this little snapshot of my life slash story has been interesting, and I'd love to hear what you ladies think it could be. Thank you for all of your hard work on the podcast. I appreciate you both for helping me get through the day. P.S. I have issues with your podcast not downloading properly or skipping around and acting bizarre, and it's the only podcast I have issues with for some reason. You most certainly are the most haunted podcast. (laughs) Angelica. Oh my gosh. 
Okay, this is a little scary because, okay, mm, I don't know, I have feelings. Because at first, when she was like, maybe it's my biological father trying to get in contact with me, just like the hello, it seems, it seems like a nice like ease in, you know, like a, like mm-hmm. just saying, just saying hi, like, like don't want to scare you. But at the same time, I feel like so much, I mean, what do I know? But when I think <laughs> of playing Ouija boards, I think of like, you need the fingers, like you need the attention, the energy to be right uh-huh. for spirits to come through. So the amount, in my mind, the amount of energy that would be needed to already move a planchette, I guess it's no different than moving any object in your house. But to me, yeah. I'm just like, that's a lot of effort that's put in. And for it to kind of be the same pattern, it does feel like whether it is a relative or something else, it's the same person. Right. Which, it does feel very similar. Right. Which makes me a little nervous now knowing that she's an empath. Right. It is interesting because the way that she feels so scared and the negative energy and the tightness in her chest. I mean, Angelica, I'm very on board with you not playing because yeah. it it all sounds negative and I'm glad that you're listening to your gut instincts with it. But like, I wonder, I agree with you that it does sound like the same person, but I do wonder if she is so open that anytime a Ouija board is there, like because she's so closed off mentally, if ghosts are like, trying to communicate with her and like the Ouija board being there is their only way to do it. And so that's Mm. why they put the planchette at hello because they're just trying to get her attention, but it's definitely scary and I don't, I don't like it. I know it is pretty creepy. Yeah. And it's like part of me is so curious. I'm like, well, I just want to know what it is. But then the other part of me is like, well, don't do it. Don't open yourself up to it because there's already enough of a pattern. There's already enough history and people are approaching you essentially and saying like, hey, you're sensitive. Right. But, and also the points in the direction of like, maybe don't try. Also, if this is the same spirit, it is desperate to get her attention. The fact that right. it took the Ouija board out of the box when she was like eight years old, she's so young and set it up in a matter of five to 10 seconds. Yeah, which is, yeah, that's just disturbing. It's a thirsty ghost, and we don't trust that. And I understand that she has blocked herself off a bit, but at the same time, I feel like if it were a loved one and like a spirit with good intentions, that it would find a way, whether it be some sort of like something being moved around the house or even like a dream visitation, like something really non-threatening. Or they'd get the hint and they'd be like, okay, clearly Angelica doesn't want this and I'm not going to pressure her. But yeah, you don't have the best of vibes from this. So maybe pass. Yeah. Thank you. Next. Next. Wow. Oh, I love ghost stories. And I hope next time I speak to all of you, especially you, Corinne, I will have, if not a ghost story, fun stories that I picked up from the ghost tour that we're doing at the Stanley. So excited. And you'll be a, you'll be a bride. You'll be, I'll wed. be a woman. I'll be a woman. You'll be, you're, you're finally made. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> you can be one of those spirits that wanders around in a wedding dress now because you'll oh have my gosh. one. You're so right. Yes. This is really special. This is, this is a moment. This is your, and mine, my moment. Yes. My lady in white moment. <laughs> this is your lady in white. 
Wow. Oh, man. Every little girl dreams of her lady in white moment, and uh, I'm You're about, about to have, have it. it. You're going to have it. If anyone right. else has any uh, lady in white stories, any ghost or stories. any, yeah. Spooky uh, things that happen to you, happen to your significant others, your families, your friends. Doesn't have to be your exact story, but we want to hear the details. We want to hear all about it. Yeah, we do. You can email us at twogirlsonegostpodcast at gmail.com. And there are a variety of ways to support us. First of all, you can rate and review us on iTunes. And as the spooky season is upon us, please do that because then more people will find us. And, you know, everyone wants to listen to a good spooky tale during the holiday season. So, um, yeah, rate and review us. You can also join our Facebook group. We have social media like Instagram and Twitter. But our Facebook group is truly amazing. And there's so many of you. And all of you are there to talk about ghosts. So how fun. Join join in the discussion. Yes. Uh, and we also want to say thank you to Upfire Digital and that whole team. Uh, Eric and Brooke and Max and everyone who touches our podcast over there and helps with the sound quality and the, the editing. Um, <laughs> thank you. We are so, so grateful. And we will see you on the, on the other, other side. side. <laughs> okay, I'm screaming. Thanks, Lay. <laughs> Very sweet.